<laughs> it is a true joy to be back in Point Lookout. Um, as you all know, I was here last year to give as a talk as a seminarian, but I think it's even better to come back as a priest of Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> I would just like to thank Father Brian for inviting me to come and speak here. I think it's always, I don't need an excuse to come to Long Beach and to Point Lookout. I think it's, I, you can, anytime I'm invited, I'll always come. So I, I'd like to thank Father Brian and everyone from uh, Beach Catholic for bringing me here. Um, I think that, you know, I think obviously whenever someone enters the priesthood, I think ultimately the answer why anyone discerns a vocation to, uh, of this religious type of religious life is, I think always comes down to the, to the Eucharist, right? I mean, I think that's at the very center of, of our faith, is at the very center of our life, this blessed sacrament. And recently I was listening to um, a podcast from the Wall Street Journal. They did something, I think, early July. And I, I remember I was listening to the, to the podcast and there were so many themes and so many ideas that I thought, I think really spoke to our, in a sense, our maybe our culture and even serves as sort of like a, a modern parable of our time. And the, the podcast from the Wall Street Journal was kind of, it was titled the, the Quest to Find a Lost Purple Heart. It surrounded the story of a guy named Walter O'Hare. I think he was from the Boston area. And uh, his nickname was Gator. Uh, and he was a soldier who fought in the Iraq war. And uh, he, he was sort of like kind of like a rambunctious fellow, a young guy, I think about 21, 22 years old, wasn't, you know, really, a, you know, he was a young fellow. And he had decided to go and join the Iraq war when at the height of, its, of, the, of the conflict. And uh, Gator was someone who was called what he was a, a guardian angel. So his position in the field was that he had to sort of be on a, a, high, a high spot on the battlefield so that whenever... Um, Whenever he would see sense danger for his for his men down down below, he would sort of be that kind of like the protector. But as a garden angel, he also was kind of in a tough spot, and he actually was sniped and uh, and was killed at the field. He was one, I think, of over 900 men that year who had died from the Iraq War. And of course, uh, Gator was posthumously awarded the Purple Heart which, if you don't know what it is, is the highest honor one can have as in the military duties. It's, it's like a, a badge or a medal of honor that signifies that you have bled or been wounded for your country, and it's one of the most prized possessions that any veteran can hold um, and any family can own. And it was interesting that after that Gator had died, the, the Purple Heart, of course, was given, handed down to his family, and specifically to his mother. And of, unfortunately, Forever it had happened, after the mother of Gator had died, the purple heart got lost. And it only was at the moment when uh, Gator's brother, um, William, had found that the purple heart was being sold at an auction. And it just drove William up a wall. How on earth did my brother's purple heart get on an auction to be sold on a website? And I think the, the theory was that the, the mother had the Purple Heart in his storage unit, and that when, when she had passed away, the storage unit just sort of kind of just, just gave away all the possessions that was in, the, in that unit. But regardless, whether it was negligence or bad luck, 
something that was so prized and so special was lost. And so William and, and the family of Gator really made all these kind of efforts to, uh, to retrieve this lost Purple Heart, to retrieve this lost medal. And their first idea, which maybe wasn't the brightest, was to actually try to win the auction, like actually put money to, to try to win, this, uh, to win this medal. But obviously when anyone who's in the business of, uh, in that kind of realm knows how risky that is, because no matter what bid you place, it only takes the very last minute for someone to outbid you, and then you have no idea where that medal might go to next. Um, and so they decided to actually reach out to the guy who was actually running the auction. And uh, he actually was kind of a bit of a character. So obviously during the podcast, they, they're interviewing this name. His name is uh, Bill uh, Penagopoulos. And he's sort of like kind of like this larger life fella. I guess he kind of had to be kind of larger of life to join an auction, you know, to kind of you know, deal with all those kind of uh, characters and, and uh, military uh, meda medallions and all that. And I was a kind of very, very funny and very interesting because Bill was, you know, he didn't know where the Purple Heart came from. I mean, he was shocked, but, you know, he still was, whatever, maybe, you know, his little morale or whatever, he still was selling his auction. But at the same time, uh, Will and the family decided to, they, they, they kind of made an agreement with, with the, the auctioneer that they would actually, you know, okay, we'll give you like a military flag, have all the veterans sign it, you know, we'll give it off to you, and that would be sort of like the trade that they would make. You know, we'll give you this signed military flag by all the veterans who are part of the squad, and you'll give us back the, the, purple, uh, the purple heart. And of course, so all this agreement was in place, it was ready to be exchanged, and then all of a sudden, Bill, the auctioneer, gets a phone call from two state, uh, two Can you hear me? Oh, good. <laughs> not, not a lot of good luck today, huh? I got a concert in the background. I got the microphone technical difficulties. Gosh, I don't think someone wants me to preach this. <laughs> um, okay, where, where was I? Oh, that's right. Uh, so, Bill, they were, so they were able to make this exchange with the Purple Heart. They had this agreement. And then all of a sudden, Bill, the auctioneer, gets two calls from the two attorney generals. Uh, to intervene to prevent the call. And you know why? Because two veteran organizations had saw that this Purple Heart was being sold on an auction. And so they reached out to the local government to actually stop it from being auctioned. But at the same time, it very frustrated the family because they had made this agreement. And so, so they, got, he kinda got, they kinda got stuck. And Bill was like, I'm paying $450 an hour, I can't afford these legal fees, this is too much for me. And at the same time, Bill is actually going through, uh, I think, some form of cancer at the same time. So the auctioneer guy is just like, I'm done with this. I'm giving it back to the seller. He can do whatever he wants with it. He can you know, sell them, burn them, throw them into the Long Island Sound for all I care. And uh, of course, this is like, you know, Bill and, and, uh, and the family is just heartbroken by this. I mean, like, we've gone so far, we've, we, we've gone so far to get, try to get this Purple Heart back that we've lost. And now it seems like, you know, out of the, you know, good, good, you know, good Samaritan deal of these veterans, it kind of seems to have stopped everything. But this line that I thought that, um, that they said to Bill was, Bill, this isn't about you. It's not about me. It's not even about Gator's family. It's about Walter, who gave his life for his country in Iraq. And 
you know, the Bill, the uh, the uh, auctioneer guy, you know, he kind of believed in sort of like this mitzvah, you know, that you have to like just do this great deed. And he, you know, his wife was Jewish and she was kind of egging him on, you know, you got to do this, do this great deed. And, you know, Bill, regardless of all the circumstances, regardless of, his, you know, attorney generals, he says, you know what, I don't care what happens legally to me. I'm giving you the medal and whatever happens, happens. And so Bill recognizes the situation and decides just to mail it and sends the Purple Heart back to the family. And I thought that the, the quote from um, uh, Gator's brother was actually kind of interesting. You know, he, you know, he, uh, the auctioneer guy had actually packaged it very beautifully, very carefully. And he had sent it back to, uh, to the family um, as if it was like a, a prized treasure, something that was, that was so worthy of the medal that it, that it symbolizes. And when the brother had received the Purple Heart, when it had come back to his hands, uh, the, the podcast interview asked him, like, what, what was your emotion? Like, what did you, what did you kind of, like, feel when that Purple Heart came back to you? And he, he, he responded saying, as far as emotional, no, I really wasn't. To be honest, as my daughter would put it, I'm pretty emotionally closed off. So I don't cry very much. I do have feelings, but you wouldn't be able to read them off my face. But the feelings are there. And I was overjoyed and excited and very relieved. It was like a piece was missing. I didn't know it was missing until I knew it was missing. But it was missing. And you know, I look at this story about this lost purple heart, and I can't help but feel that maybe it's sort of like a maybe a modern parable for our times. You know, the, the way that they described it is that the Purple Heart, which shows that you were wounded in conflict with the enemy, they have a special aura to them. You have shed blood, you have shed blood for your country. And a Purple Heart is when, when you see it, you know that it has so much symbolized in that medal, that this is something that men have sacrificed for their, for their lives for. And it's in this metal that sort of just kind of transcends anything that, that we can imagine. We can look at the Purple Heart and we can see that the, the aura that it has, this particular Purple Heart symbolizes Walter's sacrifice for his country. It symbolizes Walter's the very fact that he shed his blood so that we could be so that we could have our freedom but yet precisely this such sacred object this sacred metal it became lost from one generation it took only one generation for them to lose a purple heart but precisely when it was lost that's when it was found we can look at the Eucharist, and I think all of us know that the Eucharist has something more than just an aura. It's a presence. In the Eucharist, we know that it is a sacrament of Jesus' own sacrifice. Jesus shed his blood, not for a country, but for all of humanity. He shed it for Adam for Peter, for his apostles, 
He shed it for us. And he also shed that blood for all future generations. And the blood that he shed was to set us free, not some from foreign nation, but from sin and death itself. The entire mystery of Christ is contained in that sacrament, in the Eucharist itself. But unlike a purple heart, it's more than a symbol. As Flannery Connor, the famous author from American author, she once wrote, if the Eucharist is just a symbol, then to hell with it. That was all the defense I was able, I was capable. But I now realize that this is all I will ever be able to say about it outside of a story, except that it is the center of existence for me. All the rest of life is expendable. For 2,000 years, this sacrament has been passed on from generation to generations. Martyrs have shed their blood for this sacrament. Poets have written hymns about this sacrament. Men and women have continued to pass on this sacrament from generation to generation. It only took one generation for a purple heart to be lost. Will the next generation lose this sacrament? I think we'll always have the Eucharist with us. I don't think I doubt that. But maybe it's value. Maybe our, our understanding of the Eucharist, maybe its aura and its power might be lost. I think there's no secret that in the recent times we know from the Pew studies that only 31% of Catholics believe in the true presence of God. 70% of Catholics claim that it's merely a symbol. And then when we look at this past year during COVID, our churches was clo were closed and so many people were blocked off from, the, from, the, from receiving the sacrament. And I understand, I'm not gonna question the decisions that were made by our bishops and by the, all the leaders in our church. But at the same time, did we lose something in the process? Did we lose that sense of reverence, that sense of value of the Eucharist this past year? A phrase I've been constantly hearing is that when things go back to normal, if normal led 70% to reject that beautiful truth, then I'm not sure I want things to go back to normal. I think as Catholics and as a church, we need to recognize that we've lost something. 2,000 years of mystery within in the sacrament is being abandoned just as we speak. But I don't think this is entirely bad news. I think as we look into this new generation, as we move forward on this post-COVID nation or this post-COVID church, I think the very loss of religion can precisely help us to rediscover the great treasure that the Eucharist is. As we heard in the gospel today, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which someone found and hid, but then in his joy goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. The Eucharist 
is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding the one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought. The Eucharist is like one who digs up an old lost treasure and is willing to share that treasure with all of his friends and all of his companions. But what was the price that these men and women were willing to pay for that great pearl of value? What was the price that the person was willing to buy the field? And there's a... Can you hear me? Oh. What was the cost? It was everything. There's only one price, and it's non-negotiable. It's everything. Only when we have sacrificed everything of ourselves to the sacrament will we awaken the eyes of the world to the sacrifice of Christ. What will cost us more, evangelization or silence? And I think that if we want to be, I guess, living sacraments of the world today, I think we have a great model in our today's feast of St. Mary Magdalene. We heard in the gospel of, of her story is that she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and told him, they have taken the Lord from the tomb and we don't know where they put him. Mary Magdalene knew that sense of loss. And then she was, in that sense, found that moment of confusion. But then Jesus said to her, Mary. When Jesus spoke her name, she recognized Raboni, teacher. And then when Mary had that sense of loss, but then that sense of encounter, she was then able to go and announce to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and was able to preach the good news to all. I think if we want to be living sacraments today, if we want to be, I think, true saints of the modern church, we have to be like Mary Magdalene. We have to know our own hunger, our own poverty, our own inadequacy. Because like Gator's brother, only when we know that the missing piece is there, which the world cannot fill, only then will we rediscover that the sacrament of its great value. And that's when we will go on the quest to hunt for the divine. And then we encounter that, when we have that sense of loss, that's when we will be driven to encounter Jesus, who knows you by name. But that encounter with Christ cannot be something that we hold to ourselves, but rather gives us the courage to evangelize and spread the good news. Because what do we have to lose? Nothing. Because when we encounter Jesus in the sacrament, we know that he is everything. So maybe we can be inspired by that story of the Purple Heart to go on that quest. Because I think a new spirit is moving through the air. It will challenge every fiber of our bones. But the sacrifices in faith made today may be the very source in which grace will flow like living water to our modern desert. 
It was the loss of the Purple Heart that reawakened Walter's family to the value of his sacrifice. May the challenges today reawaken and renew the wonder and mystery of the Eucharist in us and give us courage to proclaim his presence to our modern world.